Well, hello to those of you that I haven't met yet. My name is Morgan Butcher. I'm blessed to be uh, the associate pastor here at our Mill Creek campus. And uh, before we get going, I just want to welcome everyone who's with us today, uh, everyone at our Everett campus, our Palouse campus, everyone watching online. Thanks for joining with us as we continue in our Advent series. Uh, last week, our campus pastors launched this new series uh, of Advent, and we introduced and explained a little bit of the history, uh, a little bit of the meaning uh, and significance of not just Advent, but these symbols that we use to celebrate Advent. We talked about the significance of the candles and the wreath. And I got to be honest, I learned a lot just by the different meanings of different pieces that are symbolized in that Advent wreath. And I would encourage you, if you missed out on last week, to go back and rewatch that. I'm sure you will learn a lot more as well. But specifically, we introduced the first of the five candles, which is the candle of hope. And we talked about how our hope is in Jesus. It's just him. And uh, he's the hope of the world. He is the, uh, he, he is the hope of the world, but, but he's also enough for us. He's enough for us regardless of anything that we're going through in life. He's, he's enough for us regardless of any circumstance or situation that we are dealing with. And the word Advent, it literally means arrival. It's this opportunity for us to focus our hearts and our minds on the arrival of Jesus. And they created the Advent wreath and, and candles and, and this whole idea of Advent in first century because people were forgetting about Jesus in the Christmas holiday season, which is kind of shocking. I got to be honest. Um, uh, it, but, but when we look at the Christmas season, we realize how easy that would be to do. All the things that pull our attention away, all the, the gifts and the shopping and uh, the expectations and the family parties and the friend parties and the work parties and the white elephant gift exchanges. And then like every other white elephant gift exchange that happens after that, you just accumulate so many gifts, you just give them away to everyone. But but what happens is we get so busy, and so this idea of Advent was created to bring our attention back onto Jesus. But it's shocking that, that we could so easily forget about Jesus in the midst of Christmas. Do you know anyone that gets really upset when people forget their birthday? I, I mean, like, that is 100% me. I remember when I was 15 years old, and it will be the birthday that lives in infamy for all the wrong reasons, but it was the birthday that everyone forgot that it was Morgan's birthday. I have a summer birthday. It's July. So all my friends were on vacations with their family. My siblings, I don't know. They had no excuse. They just weren't there. Uh, my parents, it was middle of the week. And so they're out working. And apparently all my neighbors were hiding from me that day. But it was this birthday. And I, and I just felt like everyone else in the world had something to do on my birthday besides celebrate me. Now, Imagine how Jesus feels when we are so busy and distracted by everything else going on in our lives other than celebrating him coming to earth to be our savior. We forget celebrating the birth of Jesus. The reality is we need to celebrate Advent. We need to celebrate Advent so we don't forget about Jesus in this season. We need to celebrate Advent to remember who Jesus is in our lives. We need to celebrate Advent to center ourselves back on the reason we even celebrate anything during this hectic season of life. This is the time that we celebrate the arrival and the rescue of Jesus. 
Advent is meant to remind us that Jesus came as our Savior. He didn't just come as our Savior, but Jesus came to be our rescuer. And not only that, we celebrate that Jesus is coming again. Amen. Last week, we talked about hope, and we realize that we aren't just hoping to hope. Hope isn't just this thing that we flippantly or loosely believe in. It's, it's not this good idea or this happy feeling, but the reality is a lot of people are just hoping to hope in something. They know that they need hope, but they don't know what their hope is founded in. And the reality is, as Christians who hope, we hope not just in an idea. We hope not just in a good feeling. We hope in a person. Our hope is founded in something deeper than a feel-good story. It's founded in the person of Jesus Christ. We hope and we have hope in Emmanuel. We have hope because we understand that God is with us. Never forget that you are not alone in this season, that in the middle of whatever is going on in your life, the God of the universe is not just for us, but he's with us. And this week, we transition from the candle of hope to talk about the next candle of Advent, the candle of peace. Today I want to read a scripture as we reflect on the candle of peace, and then I'd like to pray for us. But if you open your Bible to Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 8, and just want to read this over us and then pray for us today as we get going. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause for great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let me pray for us. Father God, we come to you today and we're just thankful that your word is alive, God, that it speaks to us, it's true to us. And Father, we pray that as we remember you and your son, and as we light the candle of peace, God, that you would make your peace come alive in our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, you've probably heard that scripture before. You've probably heard that somewhere. Uh, but the chances are you are probably familiar with the King James Version. It says, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Uh, you're probably familiar with that specific version, not because you read the King James Version. Maybe you do. I don't know. But probably you are familiar with that version because of the great street prophet Linus from the Peanuts Christmas special. This is the version that famous Linus uses. He comes up on the stage and the spotlight shines on him and little Linus comes out with his blanket and he says, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And we assume since Linus says it, it's got to be the most accurate version, right? I mean, he said it. Linus said it himself. He's, he's carrying a blanket. It's like a blanket of truth, right? Well, most scholars believe that this probably isn't the most accurate translation of this passage. In fact, when we look at scripture, and even the scripture I just read from the NIV, it says, on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
In the New American Standard Bible, it says, And on earth peace among men, of whom he is pleased. And then a little bit different in the ESV, it says, And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The point is, is that what is most important to understand between the translations of this passage is that even though Christ offers peace to everyone, look, if you're here and you're listening to this, the peace is offered to you. It's offered to everyone. But the reality is what we need to understand and what it, the differences between these different passages is that it reveals that only those who receive Christ and trust him as their personal Lord and Savior experience the peace that comes through relationship with him. But, but God doesn't just say that this is for the select few. He offers peace on Christmas to everyone. It's for everyone. It's available to everyone, but only those who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior experience that peace in their life. Now, when some people hear about God offering peace, they assume that the peace that God is offering is the absence of conflict. That, you know, when, when I experience a relationship with Jesus, my life's just going to get easier. I'm not going to have the conflicts that I used to have. And the reality is, is that that may be true in some cases. You may be freed from absence of conflict that could have come up from your old life, but the reality is, is that God's peace goes far beyond the simple conveniences of less conflict in our lives. It goes way beyond the simple conveniences of less animosity in our lives. Church, God's peace is rich. It is full of joy. It is full of fulfilling relationships and, and intimate, meaningful relationships with others. And the truth is, is that you and I will never have rich, full, fulfilling relationships apart from Jesus. He's the key to real, genuine peace living through our lives. In fact, five times in the New Testament, he is actually referred to as the God of peace. In Ephesians 2.14, Paul said, for he himself is peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus himself comes and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You see, if you want peace in your life, Christ must rule your life. If you are praying for peace, let me put it this way, if you are praying for peace, if you are praying for comfort, if you are praying for provision, if you are praying for blessing, but God is only a small piece of your life, you're going to miss out on what God says is an abundance of peace that I desire to give you. We can't just have God be a small piece of our life and expect him to overflow us with his total peace for us. You can't have peace apart from a relationship with Christ. So how do we center ourselves on Jesus in this busy season with all these things going on so that we can experience that kind of life-changing peace that he so generously offers to us? I think the key to peace is found in, in this attitude that is echoed in that scripture that we just read. It says that the heavenly angels come into the place and they begin singing. And it says the first thing that they sing is glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. You see, when we make, when, when we make the attitude of our daily lives about glorifying God, about placing him in the highest place in our life, in, in making him our everything and, and giving him rule over our life, literally putting him in that high place, 
we get peace in return. But it's when we put him there. And what happens when peace comes in return from us placing God in his highest place in our life, we see God's peace reveal itself in three different relationships in our life. And I want to map out those three relationships for us today. The first relationship that we see God's peace reveal itself to us is through peace with God himself. Get this. We receive peace from God, but through it we experience peace with God. There's a, there's a chain happening here. As we put God in his highest place, we receive the peace from him, but the peace that we receive from him actually brings us peace with him. Let me tell you, nothing will transform your life more than experiencing the peace of knowing that you are forgiven. I remember as a junior in high school saying yes to a relationship with Jesus and just the, the wave of forgiveness that I felt just pouring over my life. It, it was that peace that, that comes with forgiveness that allowed me to move forward and, and out of the things that I was ashamed from. It, it, it was that peace that allowed me to, to move forward in this new life that Christ was offering me instead of just settling for the things of the past that were holding me behind. In fact, Scripture even says He remembers our sins no more. Look at what Romans 5, 1 says. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've heard it said before that whenever you read therefore in Scripture, you should probably stop and just ask yourself, what is it there for? Right? And look at what Paul is emphasizing in this Scripture. He says that it's critical He says that this critical act of faith on our part, us putting him in his highest place, glory to God in the highest, putting him in his rightful place to have rule over his lives, that that critical act of faith on our part is what leads to peace. It's that peace that we feel that comes from us putting him in that position. He reminds us that it's through faith that we're justified. It's not through the works that we do. It's not through us serving at at a certain amount of events in the holiday season, and and that's how we're justified by God. He he says it's it's not through traditions that we're justified. It's not through having all the right things set up in your house and and, and having the perfect tradition to go cut down the tree and and having all these different traditions to, to celebrate the season. He's saying you're justified by not those things. You're not justified by baptism. You're not justified by your parents' faith or your siblings' faith faith, or your spouse's faith. You're not, you're not justified by your church attendance, however golden it may be. Only when we believe as Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, are we justified by faith. And the result of that faith is this life-changing peace that we experience with God. The second relationship that God's peace reveals itself through is through peace with ourselves. I I heard it said recently that the greatest enemy that we often face is the enemy. It's it's the enemy inside of me. It's, It's oftentimes nothing more than ourselves. Too many people are at war with themselves. We're guilty of our past. We're, we're shameful of our past. We are anxious regarding our choices. We are worried about our future. Many of us are constantly in the midst of this internal struggle 
with no one other than ourselves. The truth that you need to rest in if this is you is that because you are justified by faith, you don't have to be anxious with guilt. You don't have to be discouraged by who you don't think you are or by who you think you are. You don't have to doubt or question your future because of your past. You see, because the truth is, is that you are forgiven and set free from those things. You're set free from the internal struggles through your faith in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And look at what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. You see, the opposite of anxiety is peace. And our hearts and our minds are constantly under attack. I mean, think of the guilt, think of the worry, the confusion, the stress, the uncertainty, the anxiety, all these things, they threaten our peace. And that's why Paul is reminding us that God wants to guard your hearts and your minds. And and how does he guard them? He says he guards them through his peace. He guards them so that you can feel peace with yourself. He guards them and he gives you this peace so that they might protect you and you would have peace with yourself. It goes beyond our human understanding. It's hard to understand how a gift from somebody can protect us from ourselves. but this gift that God wants to give us in his peace is to protect and guard our hearts and our minds. In other words, it doesn't make sense. It just happens. And what I'm reminded of is that we can't put a big enough box around what we believe God is capable of doing in our life. We can't limit the peace of God to what we understand or think is possible for our life. You might be here and you might, you might be thinking, man, there's no way. And man, man, you've just convinced yourself that, that you will always struggle with depression that I will always have to deal with anxiety, that I will always have to deal with fear and worry and doubt. And I want to remind you that, that God often does what doesn't make sense. His peace goes beyond understanding. Have you ever wondered why everything can feel like it's falling apart and you can still have peace? It's because God's peace is bigger than your problems, regardless of what you think of how big your problems are. We can't hold on to our problems and our struggles with closed fists, thinking that, man, if I just try a little bit harder, if I just grip my teeth and flex a little bit more, then then I can make it through this thing. Because through his peace, we understand that we have to release our anxiousness. We have to bring our requests before God and that in that process of us believing in him and and bringing our requests to him, what are we doing? We're putting him at the highest place in our life, honoring his power over our power. And through that, his peace gives us peace with ourselves. This Christmas, can I encourage you, do that. Release your stress and your anxiousness to God. Ask him to help. Ask him to protect you. Ask him to guard your heart and your mind and remember that you aren't alone. God is with us. The third relationship that God's peace reveals itself through is not just peace with God. It's not just 
peace with ourselves, but it's peace with others. This is one of the most difficult for us to wrestle with and deal with. And I realize it's, it's probably a really simple why. It's because we often have the least amount of control over this one. You see, I, I realize that, man, I have the control to lean more into my relationship with God. I, I understand that, that I have control to release my anxiousness to God. But what do you do when you feel like you've done everything that you possibly can do? And the person that you're hoping to have peace with still doesn't respond the way that you were hoping they would. I'm often reminded that my responsibility is not to lead someone else's response, but instead to do the best job leading my own actions based on my own convictions and trusting that that through my obedience in doing that, that God will do the rest. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Notice that Paul doesn't say, so far as it depends on others. He doesn't say, so far as it depends on the way they respond to you. Paul doesn't say any of those things. Instead, he specifically draws our attention back to what? Leading ourselves responding to what we feel like we need to do. We respond to the action and the process of living at peace with others. We respond to that conviction and we're we're okay with what comes from it. And Christmas, man, it's a reminder that we have some challenging relationships in our life. And I think I can speak for almost everyone when I say that. Christmas has this tendency to magnify those difficult relationships as well whether it be family or kids or maybe you and your spouse are just at odds right now. Maybe it's a coworker or a neighbor. Man, my neighbor's dog was barking all night last night. Lord knows I'm in odds with them. But some of these relationships have been around for a long time. Some of them are brand new to us and we're having to deal with them. Can I remind you this Christmas season to show others the same grace that God has shown you? Live at peace. Be at peace. This season, choose peace. And you might find that that same grace has the power to bring peace into all the relationships that you thought were irreparable. The candle of peace reminds us that you and I can't have real peace apart from Jesus. He's the X factor. He is who he says he is. He is peace. He came to offer peace and he desires to give it to us. And this Christmas, if you want to light the candle of peace in your life, you have to be right with Jesus. And so I ask, how are you with Jesus? What does your relationship with him look like right now? And maybe you're here and, and, and you just know that you're not in the right relation, you're not in the right place or relationship with him. And if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to walk away knowing that you are right with him, receiving the peace that comes through relationship with Jesus this Advent season. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.